Jose, I say, Jose, it's time to wake up. Oh, buenos dias, senorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Hey, Michael, mi amigo, pay attention, it's Joe time. So it is. Pierre, you rascal, you. Let's put on the show. Mon ami, I am always ready, as you say, to put on the show. Oh, pardon, madame. That whistle was for my good friend, Fritz. Ach, to lieber, I almost fell out of my upper perch. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. To paraphrase what Sam the American Eagle would say, it's a salute to all things Walt Disney, but mostly Walt Disney World. A former cast member, a longtime lover of the parks, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective about the Walt Disney World Resort. Now please remain quietly seated throughout our tour, and we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. Our podcasters are frightfully sensitive to bright lights. So put on your virtual mouse ears, sit back, and relax, and enjoy the podcast. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, mantenganse alejado del David. Hey everyone, it's Dave again. How is everybody doing? Well, I've got another uh, Disney World-related podcast for you this week, and this week I'd like to focus on Disney-related news and things, the happenings around the world. And uh, actually, I'm going to start off with something that's a little bit uh, Disneyland-related, but you'll see how it ties back to Disney World in just a moment. There's a story that was floating around about how Disney wanted to keep the street sphere characters, you know, the, and the walk-around characters, in one place so that the PhotoPass people could be there to capture the moment of you or your child interacting with that character. Um, so what had happened was a few months ago, late last year, there was a merging of the departments between the uh, characters and the PhotoPass, and so PhotoPass now had control. And you know, one of the one of the characters, uh, one of the uh, cast members who was there, said the motivation is money. Characters plus PhotoPass equals money. Uh, what was being discussed with the upper management is the elimination of the atmosphere characters, those the guests see roaming around the park. That means if management gets their wish, the only way you can see a character is at a set photo pass location like Pixie Hollow or a restaurant like Goofy's Kitchen. Of course, this was in Disneyland. And it was, so it was kind of an interesting discussion for a week or so, uh, back and forth about what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, of course, whatever happens at Disneyland is likely to happen at Disney World at some point. But not so fast. Disney responded to this and uh, told us that not so fast characters will still be free roaming. But I think you're going to see more PhotoPass people kind of roaming with those characters around to make sure that they can capture the moment for you. you know, PhotoPass is a huge thing for Disney, and I think they really like it. And I think, for the most part, guests like it as well. You have an opportunity to get a really nice picture of you or your kids or whatever with the, with the character, and it really works out pretty well. And um, you know, you can you can order a CD of the pictures and everything, and really have a vacation memory without having to carry a camera around or without having to ask somebody to take the picture of you. Uh, so you can be in the photo as well. And I really like the concept. I think it's a little pricey for some of the pictures, but if you're there for a vacation and you buy the CD, it is really worth it. Uh, so I think this is this actually has some positive spin to it that you can really turn it around and make it uh, make it much better um, by having the photo pass people there with the characters rather than confining the characters to one location. 
So back over in Walt Disney World in early January uh, on a Wednesday evening, a small fire caused an evacuation of the Enchanted Tiki Room under new management. The fire took place in the attic above the show and was completely extinguished by the building's suppression systems. But as a precaution, the entire area was closed for a few hours. Of course, now the entire area is reopened, with the exception of the Enchanted Tiki Room. Uh, it has not reopened at this point, at least at the time of this recording. Uh, it's unknown uh, whether Disney will replace the damaged characters only or do a full refurbishment of the show or take the opportunity to modify the show again. Rumors swirled, with many attributing the fire uh, to characters in the show. The Florida Orange Bird, the show's original management, um, reports quoting reliable and trusted sources coming from the blogs Progress City USA and Imagine Erding provide a little more information on the damage. Reportedly, the fire was caused. Uh, the fire caused the most damage to Iago One, uh, the figure that's only that's seen throughout most of the show. Ironically, it's Iago Two figure, which appears only at the end, that's made to appear somewhat uh, singed. The Zazu figure and the bird mobile were also damaged, but that damage was reportedly caused by the fire suppression system. Of course, the most prevalent rumor was that the Tiki gods were by, angered by the Under New Management show and decided to finally take action against it. So there's um, you know, a lot of discussion about what's going to happen with that, uh, with that particular show and whether they're going to maybe restore it to its original glory or maybe make it something different again. Um, for me personally, the whole Under New Management I never really liked. I thought it was kind of goofy, and I don't mean that in a good way. Uh, let's see, in um, Disney-related news, a few weeks ago, all eyes were on the east, uh, east coast of Florida, east of Walt Disney World, with the christening of uh, the voyage of the Disney Dream. The Disney Cruise Line's newest ship was christened in a ceremony streamed live on the internet. Uh, following the ceremony, the ship sailed away with the media for a two-day cruise, providing the media with an opportunity to find out about all of the new amenities on board. Uh, there were more media sessions, uh, interactive play floor on the Oceaneers Club, the magical potholes, uh, portholes were turned on uh, inside the staterooms, and the aqueduct water coaster, uh, interactive artwork, and so on were all there uh, to show off. And uh, I've seen some of the videos, and wow, it looks cool. Now, me personally, I've only been on a couple of cruises and you know, cruised on some of the bigger lines, but never really liked any of them. It's very, I don't know, uh, I don't even know the word to use. It just seems very industrial to me and very sterile. You, you go on the cruise and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm here and I'm, yeah, I, can sit on the, I can sit by the pool and I can order drinks. That's great. I could do that at home. Uh, and I could get off at a, at a beach somewhere that's really not much of a beach and, you know, it's not really all that, that interesting and, and there's not that much to do. But here with, um, with the, the Disney Cruise Line, I'm really kind of interested in cruising again. And I'm actually thinking about taking the family on a cruise. And, uh, this this actually sounds like it could be really cool. So you know I'm looking looking into it, thinking about it, and uh, you know I can't believe I'm actually saying that because after my couple of cruise experiences not being all that great, I kind of said ah, I'm never cruising again. But now with these, it actually seems like it might be fun. Might put the fun back in cruising, and I, I would consider doing it. Also, following a ribbon cutting ceremony by Imagineer Joe Rohde and Disney's Animal Kingdom Vice President Michael. Uh, uh, Cole Glazier, the newly created Wild Africa Trek began taking guests through the back country of Kilimanjaro Safaris. In it, guests cross a swaying rope bridge, stand on the edge of a cliff over hippos and crocodiles while tethered to a lifeline, ride in an open savanna tour jeep uh, where they can move around for the best view, hike through the woods and enjoy an African refreshments on a platform overlooking the savanna. Binoculars are available for guests on the uh, Boma platform. Tours are currently available for the special price of $129 per person. And uh, they have um, they plan to change that price sometime in March or April and raise it a little bit. But word is the trek is just not the name. You really have to take a hike on this tour. And uh, I think it, this actually sounds like a really interesting idea. 
to really take guests on a one-of-a-kind experience that's outside of the theme parks and really get to see something different. Uh, this is something I, I'd like to consider doing at some point, though at the price point of $129, it's not something I want to do like right away. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you have to really consider it for that kind of money. The new uh, Pixar Pals Countdown to Fun Parade at Disney's Hollywood Studios kicked off, uh, but the reviews were not that great. It, uh, guests who, were talk, who talked to the media said they were unanimous, unanimously unimpressed with the park's latest offering. Uh, I know Disney's been tweaking that over the last few weeks, but uh, I expect that they'll probably wind up changing that parade in the near future just because it, uh, it, it's one of those things when they have a parade that's not all that successful, they tend to, uh, tend to morph it or change it or even remove it at some point. Uh, outside of Walt Disney World, there was a, a lawsuit that was filed by a, a guest who said she was fondled by the Donald Duck character. And uh, the, um, Disney had uh, moved to dismiss that lawsuit, but the uh, judge ruled that the lawsuit could go forward. And uh, I find that kind of interesting. You know, having worked and been a cast member and having seen a lot of interactions with guests, you know, they always warn you, you know, be careful how you touch guests and what you do to them and what you say to them. And, you know, I, I do know from not firsthand experience, but from other people I know who were, who were uh, action characters and would, would wear the costumes. Those costumes are awfully big. You don't have a lot of dexterity and you can't do a lot of things. Yes, you can grab the pen and you can write, but that's about it. You can't really feel very much. I mean, when you're holding the pen hard, you can tell that it's there. For, for someone to be inside the Donald Duck character and have groped someone, I find that a little bit of a stretch of the imagination to have done it intentionally, uh, just because of the way the costume is built and uh, the way it's designed. Not to say that it couldn't have been done, just seems like it's a little bit of a stretch to me. So I uh, found that kind of interesting. But uh, the fact that it moves forward is, is kind of intriguing to me. I want to follow that one just because it's another one that kind of, you know, Disney has a very strong policy about the way they treat their cast members and the way the cast members treat the guests. And, um, you know, I think you're going to hear a lot about, you know, some of the training materials and some of the things they do in, the, in, the, uh, in light of that case. Of course, we have news about the Fantasyland expansion at Disney World. Uh, Disney produced a short letter to guests that reads, as many of you know, we're in the midst of the largest expansion in Magic Kingdom history, which will nearly double the size of Fantasyland. In order to make way for this transformation, it's important to let you know that Mickey's Toontown Fair will close in early February. So as of the time that this uh, podcast airs, it is closed. That doesn't mean we've forgotten about some of your favorite characters. Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, and the Disney princesses will move to Town Square in the location currently known as Town Square Exposition Hall in spring of 2011. Until that location will be ready, they will continue to greet guests throughout the Magic Kingdom. Meanwhile, Tinkerbell will relocate to Disney's Hollywood Studios with her other fairy friends and will appear later in the, sp in the spring in Epcot. The Walt Disney World Railroad will stay open, but the Toontown Station will remain closed during construction. We hope you will pardon our dust as, as work progresses, and if you'd like to experience Mickey's Toontown Fair, you'll have until February 11th to make those plans. Remember, there are still many other entertainment experiences throughout the Magic Kingdom to delight everyone in your family. Unfortunately, it does mean that Mickey's Toontown will be removed and you won't have Mickey's Country House, the Judge's Tent, or any of the other things that are back there. I personally find that kind of sad. and you know, I, I think I need to do a retrospective of... Uh, of the whole of Mickey's Toontown and kind of how that evolved and how that became uh, what it what it is. Now I know I've heard other podcasts that talk about that, but I think I want to I think I want to do my own retrospective about it. But be that as it may, Fantasyland construction will be completed in phases, with the first phase being done in 2012 and the most uh, new experiences open in 2013. 
Details are now being provided about what we'll see when it does open. Uh, it will deliver a new home for Ariel, new ways to interact with your favorite Disney princesses, an exciting new family coaster, and a double dose of Dumbo and more. So some of the highlights, Under the Sea, Journey of the Little Mermaid is a major all-new attraction during which guests will travel with Ariel and her friends through the exciting adventure above and below the waves, all against a musical backdrop of songs from the classic film. The Castle of the Beast, standing majestically upon a hill just across from the old stone bridge from Ariel's new home. The Be Our Guest restaurant will feature a lavish dining experience in the elegant ballroom, gallery, and mysterious west wing of the castle. With seating for 550, this magnificent facility will offer great fast food, uh, I'm sorry, great food fast, service by day and full, uh, full table service dining in the evening. Nearby in Belle's Village, guests will find the rousing Gaston's Tavern and Bonjour uh, Village Gifts. Just outside the village is Belle's Cottage and Enchanted Tales with Belle. The adventure begins in Maurice's workshop where a magical mirror is the doorway to a captivating new kind of storytelling experience. Guests are transported to the Beast's library to meet Belle and Lumiere and share in a lively, interactive retelling of the tale as old as time. But that's just the beginning of what guests will discover when a multi-phase project is completed. Here's more of what's in store. The Seven Dwarfs Mine Train will take guests on a rollicking musical ride into the mine where a million diamonds shine. The coaster will feature a first-of-its-kind ride system with, train, uh, with a train of ride vehicles that swing back and forth, responding to every twist and turn on the track. The journey will be accompanied by music from the classic Disney film and animated figures of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. In the Princess Fairy Tale Hall, Aurora, Cinderella, and other Disney princesses, such as Tiana and Rapunzel, will greet guests in their new home, an elegant royal court on the site where Snow White's scary adventure stands today. The Sound of the Calliope will lead guests to the brand new storybook Circus, and not one but two circling carousels of airborne pachyderms on Dumbo's flying elephant. Before taking the skies on this Fantasyland favorite, guests can experience an array of fun-filled family games and interactive wonders for kids of all ages at the Big Top. Next door in the storybook Circus is the classic Barnstormer gets a bright new look as well, featuring Goofy as the great Goofini in a twisting, turning roller coaster flight high above the circus fun. Coming between March 2nd and May 15th of this year is the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival, a spring uh, special event filled with colorful arrays of flowers, gardens, topiaries, live music, and educational events. You don't have to be a gardening expert to love this event. It's a perfect for guests of all ages who enjoy the beauty of Mother Nature. See a million uh, blooming flowers and a vibrant collection of Disney-themed topiaries and get up close with hundreds of colorful butterflies inside, inside Bambi's ma uh, magnificent butterfly garden. On the weekends, meet up with uh, top horticulturalists at one of the many Garden Town programs and learn helpful gardening tips and be sure to attend public demonstrations of advanced gardening techniques from around the world. On Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays during the festival, uh, finish off the day with melodious evening of the America Gardens Theater adjacent to the American Adventure Pavilion and enjoy music from the 1960s and 70s during the Flower Power Concert Series. Plus, you can bring some magic back home with you. You'll find plenty of gardening tools and products to help you grow and maintain the perfect garden. Epcot uh, theme park admission is required, and uh, it, it, uh, events may be canceled at any time. Now, there's finally information out there about the Great Disney Scavenger Hunt. It's coming May, uh, 11th, uh, May, May 12th and 13th. Uh, details are now posted on the internet. 
Um, and as I told you before, I am looking to form a team. I have a couple of people tentatively lined up to be on my team, and the teams can be between two and four people. Uh, so I am looking, if anyone is interested in joining my team, names still be to be determined, and I will accept entries for names if anybody has any. Uh, but if anyone is interested in joining my team, please feel free to email me at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Happy to consider anyone who's listening to this podcast who might be a Disney fan and just would like to get in on the fun. So if you're going to be around May 12th and 13th and want to join my team, by all means, give me, a, give me a holler. And the story goes, the hunt is on again. Get ready to explore the world as D23 hosts the great Disney scavenger hunt at the Walt Disney World Resort. Teams will take off across all four of the resort's signature theme parks in search of the answers to some challenging but fun questions. Think you know everything there is to know about Walt Disney World? This will be the ultimate test as you and your team race against the clock to gather as many points as possible. The top 10 teams will win fantastic prizes, including goodies and collectibles from our friends at Walt Disney Parks and Resorts, Walt Disney Studios Home Entertainment, Adventures by Disney, Walt Disney Records, the Walt Disney Collector's Society, Walt Disney Publishing, and the Walt Disney Archives. Because the report, re, resort is so big, this is a two-day affair. You'll team, your team will have a chance to answer a quizzical queries inside the Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and the Disney's Animal Kingdom. Because we have a whole world to cover, the rules of registration will be different from the D23 uh, hunt that took place in Disneyland last year, so please reread the rules carefully. Once we're done tallying the totals, we'll announce the winners, and the top team can collect their bounties. Think you're up to the challenge? We can't wait to find out. So the rules are, park admission for the hunt is not included. Uh, teams are responsible for their own entry. Special convention rate tickets are available. The hunt will take place in all the Walt Disney World theme parks. The person who registers his or her team will be considered the team leader. That would be me in our case. Uh, only the team leader needs to be a D23 member to re uh, receive the D23 member team price. Uh, upon registration, you'll be asked for your team name, so think before you enter. Your hunt confirmation will let you know at which park your team will uh, start the hunt, so read it carefully. We'll be launching the hunt at the same time for all theme parks, so it's important to show up at the correct park. Day one of the hunt will begin at 10 a.m. You should show up at the assigned park with your entire team to check in. The team leader will be responsible for checking the team in. The entire team does not need to stand in line. However, the entire team must be present at the start of the hunt in order to participate. Inside the registration packet will be credentials uh, with your team number. All team members must wear the credentials at all times. At each park, you will receive a booklet of questions. This booklet must be turned in completely intact when you exit the park and head to your next park. For example, as you leave the Magic Kingdom, you must turn in your Magic Kingdom question book. If you forget to turn in your book, answers in that book will not count to your final score. Every team will receive three hours in each park, except for Epcot, where teams will be allotted four hours to complete as many questions as possible. Each team is responsible for their own travel to, from, and between the parks. All regularly operating Walt Disney World transportation will be available to you. If you choose to drive between the parks, then you'll be responsible for any parking charges incurred. Resort hotel parking will not uh, be available for the hunt uh, participants unless you're staying at the resort. While registration begins at 10 a.m. on the first day, your hunt does not actually begin until you've completed registration. Your start time will be marked on the cover of your question book, so if you do not finish registering until 10.30, that will be your official start time, and you'll have three hours to complete starting at 10.30, or four hours at Epcot. So please don't worry if you, be, if, uh, if you do not begin hunting right at 10 a.m. After you've completed your first park, your team may then go to any park you choose. However, you must start the hunt, your, uh, the hunt at your assigned park. While we recommend you only visit two parks per day, you may hit as many parks as you, as you like either day. Your team has one shot at the questions at each park. Once you have turned in your question book for the park, it's not returned to you. All question books must be returned in by 9 p.m. on the day of the respective parks. Uh, points will be deducted for late returns. 
Day two will begin at 9 a.m. Your team can start whichever park they choose. Day two will end at 5 p.m. All question books must be turned in at 5 p.m. at the respective parks. Points will be deducted for late returns. Team members must uh, be together at all times. In the case of bathroom breaks, you can wait outside the bathroom. Uh, no running at any point. Anyone seen running will be uh, disqualified. No cheating, obviously. No, impen uh, no impeding the success of other teams, like trying to cover uh, or remove answer clues. Teams must work on their own. Teams may not join forces with other teams to accomplish the hunt. No asking Disney, Disney cast members for help. D23 scavenger hunt representatives at the resort may at any time check a team to make sure of the appropriate uh, number of members. Teams that do not, do not remain together will be disqualified with no appeals. If there is a participant on a team who is not able to ride an attraction for health physical reason, that, uh, that team member may wait at the end of the exit of the attraction for the rest of the team. The team member may not leave the attraction or pursue other answers or clues without the rest of the team present. Any question or issue will be decided by a panel of D23 judges at the hunt. These decisions will be binding and final. All written answers must be legible. No points will be awarded if judges are not able to read the answers. All question books must be returned intact. Any teams turning in a ripped or torn book will be disqualified. Winners will be announced at 8.30 p.m. on Friday, May 13th inside the Fantasia Ballroom of the Disney's Contemporary Resort. The winning teams need not be present to claim their prizes. In the event of a tie, the, light, uh, the lightning round of Disney trivia questions between one representative from each of the uh, tying teams. The round will be overseen by one of the D23 judges. All decisions are binding and final. Uh, so a couple of notes. Contestants may book a team of two, or two to four people. No solo teams permitted. The persons who register for the hunt will be designated the team leader. Only the person who registers needs to be a D23 member in order to utilize the D23 member rate. You must secure your spot in advance to participate. Park entry is not included. Uh, there are a limited number of team slots available. D23 members uh, will be required to provide their membership number when reserving tickets in order to secure the special D23 member price. Registration packets may be picked up with a valid photo ID. Team leaders who do not bring their valid photo ID may not be admitted into the hunt. Ticketed participants who do not attend the hunt uh, forfeit their place as well as their experience, benefits, and gifts associated with the hunt. All D23 special events are subject to change without notice. There are no cancellations or refunds. Tickets are not transferable. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so registration actually starts on Thursday, February 24th, for those of you who are thinking about registering on your own. Uh, then right after that is the uh, D23's Destination D Walt Disney World 40th Anniversary um, at the Walt Disney World Resort. And that'll be held on May 14th and 15th in the Fantasia Ballroom at Disney's Contemporary Resort. And uh, the story goes, this, is, this year's Walt Disney World Resort is celebrating its milestone 40th anniversary, and D23 is saluting this, uh, the magnificent occasion with a magical two-day event that will illuminate the rich history and storied legacy of Walt Disney's Project Florida for fans of all backgrounds from the casual guests to the most ardent armchair experts. Destination D, Walt Disney World's 40th, uh, will transport D23 members on a journey from the moment uh, of the first parcels of land in Central Florida were purchased in 1964 through the opening of Epcot uh, Center in 1982. The exclusive uh, event will offer two full days of special entertainment, surprise guest appearances, a remarkable gathering of Walt Disney World pioneers, retrospective screenings, rare and new, newly discovered film and TV footage, archival displays, and info informative presentations that will give D23 members an unprecedented look into the truly spectacular world. Highlights include appearances of, uh, by such notables as Marty Sklar, Bob Gurr, Jack Lindquist, Charlie Rid Ridgway, Tom Nabb, Bob Matheson, Orlando Ferrante, Ron Logan, Deborah Brown, uh, the 1971 uh, Disney World Ambassador to the World. 
the weekend will uh, culminate with the magic journeys of Flight of Fancy through 40 years of Walt Disney World musical memories featuring Disney legend and Academy Award winner Richard Sherman. All guests will receive complimentary limited edition uh, reproduction of the 1970 preview edition of Walt Disney World's Souvenir Guidebook, published exclusively for the Walt Disney World Archives. Uh, the 22-page softcover booklet featuring colorful photography and exquisite illustrations highlights the excitement that was uh, soon to debut in Orlando. Plus, there will be a special exhibit from the Walt Disney Archives featuring rare items and artifacts from the creation of evolution of Walt Disney World. So this is another thing that I just think sounds fantastic, and I really uh, look, um, look forward to that. You know, I'm going to try and see if I can hang around for the couple of days after the scavenger hunt and see some of that because it just sounds remarkable. And then finally, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we heard Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Hackers utter the immortal words, I'm going to Disney World. He had time to live it up after the big game, and a private plane was waiting for him uh, to take him to uh, Disney World on Monday morning. He was uh, whisked right onto the private airstrip near the theme park and had a special parade in his honor during the day, and then left and went up, I guess just as Drew Brees did, did the year before, and went right up and was on the Letterman show later that day. And then he was flown back to Green Bay to uh, meet up with his Packers teammates. Um, you know, and I, had, I was trying to rack my brain. I was remembering all of a sudden that back in 1993, I made a point of heading out to the parks to see Troy Aikman uh, in his parade after he won the Super Bowl. And I think at that point it was maybe on a Tuesday or Wednesday that he was there, and he actually spent the day at the park. It wasn't quite the specter that it is today where you go there and you're, you're there the next day. This was a couple days later, and he was there, and he was, you know, he was in the parade, and I think he was around signing autographs for a little while. Um, it was something I had kind of wanted to do ever since Phil Simms uttered those immortal, immortal words a couple of years ago, well, 20 years ago. Um, and since I was living there, I made a point of doing it. Um, you know, I admit that the parade itself isn't that special, but sort of the specter of it is really pretty neat, and just the way they put it on, and, you know, it becomes something much more. I'm going to Disney World. And if you missed my podcast about that entire segment, that was my second podcast, and you can go back through the archives and listen to it. I give a little history about the, uh, the words that are uttered and how that got going. So that is my podcast this week. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you know, if you guys have questions or comments or want to join me on the hunt, please feel free to email me at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Um, also happy to hear suggestions. I am heading back to the theme parks relatively soon, so if you have any suggestions on anything you'd like to hear or anything you'd like to hear more about, um, maybe some ride audio or something, maybe I can pick that up for you while I'm there. So do let me know. And thanks very much, and have a great day. Most of the music you're hearing on this podcast is from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. Craig does a number of things in the techno space. You can find Craig's music on myspace.com slash sound A as an apple. And my thanks also to Doug over at geekacres.net for his rendition of a Jack Wagner classic. And now we've reached our destination in the 21st century. Yes, I know, it went by so fast. But don't worry, because the future is always in front of us. Thanks for riding with us. Please collect your personal belongings and step onto the moving platform. The platform and your car are moving at equal, yet opposite speeds, so watch your head and step. If you have questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, or would just like to ask Dave a question about Disney planning or anything else, send him an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. And now, I gotta be moving along. He's looking for a little more adventure, I'm heading for a little bit of fun now. He's hoping for a little more excitement, time to be moving along. 
Time to be moving along. Time to be moving along.